1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
0: Hello, welcome to the Standard Theatre Podcast. I'm Nick Curtis. I'm Nancy Durrant. And I'm Nick Clark.
2: Coming up on today's show... Divorce. We'll be reviewing the award-winning Six the Musical. This
0: is written by Toby Marlowe and Lucy Moss, with direction by Lucy Moss and Jamie Armitage.
3: If you didn't know already, Six is about Henry VIII's Six Wives, and it's celebrating its sixth year at the vaudeville theatre, so that is why we're going back in.
2: For our second review, we'll be chatting about Cruel Intentions, the 90s musical.
0: This is on at the Other Palace and is based on the hit 1999 Hollywood film.
3: Packed with 90s hits, is this musical totally in sync or damn unpretty? I, know that I
1: can't take no more, it ain't no Okay,
4: and we hear from playwright Charlie Josephine. It's a big queer western. It's camp and it's fun. It's like full of everything you'd expect from a Western. There's, you know, gunfights and whiskey and leather and lace and all of that stuff. And that's for Cowboys at the Royal Court.
3: Welcome back to our theatre podcast. Before we start, if you've not done so, then please do hit follow on the podcast. This way you'll be alerted every week when a new episode lands.
2: And tell us what you think of the show and what you'd like to hear us talk about. Get in touch via our email, which is theatrepod at standard.co.uk.
3: Right, the news
0: this week, Nick, you've... Gleaned some stuff from the uh, <laughs> from the ether this week, didn't you?
3: Well, the big news, uh, certainly for my five-year-old son, <laughs> is that Frozen is going to shock horror close in September. Let it go. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> hey,
4: it's
2: interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what? I was talking to someone about this the other day, and apparently it hasn't been selling well for a really long time. Well, I mean, it's massive. What is it? Two thousand two hundred seats. It's like really that. big, and they the basically they yeah.
0: basically rebuilt the theatre, or Drury Lane, to accommodate it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and I presume Disney had signed a fairly long lease on it for that reason. And I don't know if it's played out its lease or not. But, I mean, I when I saw the show when it first opened, I really... Was not thrilled by it. I was mm-hmm. rather lukewarm about Frozen. I think mm-hmm. it's safe to say. So I don't I'm not think you're the that. only one either. No, I mean you could you could sense people straining to like it, and in some mm-hmm. ways it should have been a no-brainer. It should have been great. And any time mm-hmm. you walk through Covent Garden on a Saturday now, you see thousands of tiny little Elsa princesses, you know, being <laughs> dragged sweet. along by mm-hmm. their mum to see Frozen the musical in costume, and it's all rather sweet. But there obviously <laughs> isn't. It obviously wasn't quite good enough to to
3: sustain but, it. But right? this is what I was wondering because it's not like the kids care about too much about, about the show itself They quality, just yeah. about quality they want to see Frozen on stage The you know yeah. the show, the, mm. the cartoon that they know and love and all the songs and all of that and I just thought there's just an inbuilt audience regenerating uh, you know every year you would so, think so I was really surprised but then we talked about The Lion King which at the other end it just is going gangbusters after 25 years I mean
2: it sells out pretty much every yeah. night and, and so King. what's
3: the difference I mean they're both Disney cartoons they're but both then...
2: Disney cartoons they're both theatres of almost exactly the same mm. size I think mm. The Lion King has got uh, what it was? It called the um what's the theatre called? Lyceum. The Lyceum has got maybe a hundred fewer seats. Yeah. Yes. So it's not it's not about capacity. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the thing about the Lion King is that I mean, this year I think it's his twenty fifth year in mm. the West End, mm. and I guess you know people go, okay, we've got to take the new set of little ones. You know, maybe Granny decides that she's going to take the next generation along. And they're like, we need an absolute surefire, 100% gold standard like hit. OK, it's The Lion King because yeah. you just know that it's going to work. I mean, I, I know what you mean, Nick. It is, it is a bit weird because you don't expect it to be really about the reviews. Mm. It, it's just really about just absolutely knowing that y- what you're going to get and I mean, that it's going to work. And also it's, you know, The Lion King is a proper theatrical... Yeah, it's a, it's a proper theatrical thing. take it's, on the
0: original film, yeah. whereas Frozen feels much more like a sort of mediation between, you know, the creatives on this side and Disney right. on the other side.
3: And I wonder to as well, you thing. know, I was speaking to someone without kids who said they, they would recommend their parents, say, go to the Lion King, Right. Yeah. whereas they wouldn't do that with Frozen, and I definitely get that. You know, yeah. uh, Lion King is, 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 as you said, a theatrical experience that stands on its own two feet. Well, well, I, got took, I took my fancy to Lion King Did first you? time, really? when it first
0: came out, and then sort really, of oh my God, this is all, this is Hamlet, this is yeah. all. Yeah. It's <laughs> all about fathers and sons. It was actually a very moving experience, so, you know, he and I had to sit through it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. The other thing we were talking about this week was um, you wait ages for a play to come along, and then mm-hmm. two come along at once. This this happened after our last episode that the the two Oedipuses or Oedipai. Yeah. <laughs> is indeed. I'm sure, I would say role.
2: that I've been waiting exactly. Yeah, I yeah. 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 <laughs> see your point.
0: Um, but you know, two Oedipuses were announced. Not they're not they're not half stagings, an hour apart. Half an hour apart. they were announced <laughs> yeah. half an hour apart. They're staging. Um, Separately, uh, one at the Old Where's the other one on? It's in the West. End. Oh, Windham's, isn't yeah. it? Yes, in the West End. That's right. Fairly starry, uh, you know, star directors, star casts. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Also, at the same time, you wait a million years for someone to do Ibsen's and any other People*. Matt Smith suddenly does it for Thomas Ostermeyer making his, his
2: London debut
0: here, and then you find Jeremy Strong from *Succession* who's doing it in New York as well. So,
2: love both of those bits of casting. Actually, yeah. I'm yeah. absolutely delighted really about good. both of those. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, talking of uh, *Succession* cast members <laughs> on stage, here, note my great segue there Um, I'm very proud of you yeah the National Theatre has just announced its summer 2024 season and in that the one that I'm really excited about is Grapes of Wrath which uh, is being staged by Kerry Cracknell and it's going to star Cherry Jones who's in succession she's Mm. not one of the major characters but leaves her mark she's the sort of matriarch of a rival media family that's selling uh, the the business to the children. Like the, was,
2: I keep wanting to call them the Pearson's, but that doesn't sound right at all. I think it's, that's an actual company. think yeah, 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 mean, yeah, yeah, it's an yeah. British <laughs> company. Just <laughs> yes. get the lawyers on that one. Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: But we last saw her. Well, I certainly last saw her in the Glass Menagerie mm. uh, in the West End with yes. Kate Flynn uh, Yes, yes. It was yes, a Really yes, great yes, production. Was great. Yeah, yeah um, that was good.
0: I am excited in that season about mnemonic. I know it's a revival, but it's a revival after twenty five years of Complicite's play. It is undoubtedly still twenty five years on in the top ten of my favourite ever shows. Okay. Still, ah. um, I, I can't to wait. To. I'm, I'm I actually feeling the that. hair on my head stirring as I talk about it again. Cool. I just remember it. <laughs> <laughs> last time it, it featured, um, it was one of the last stage appearances of Catherine Cartledge, who died in her 40s you know, really, really wonderful actress um, and was very integral to the staging of that. I'm presuming Simon McBurney, who is the central figure in that and the central creative force behind it, will be in it again. So it'll be interesting to see how what that looks like with him in it 25 years on as yeah
2: well. absolutely well,
3: and also for those uh, worried that there wasn't a james graham play on after dear england <laughs> <laughs> closed, don't worry there's one coming here boys from the black stuff which has been playing in liverpool uh, liverpool's royal court is mm-hmm. going to come to the national theater as well it'd be Sunday. really
0: interesting to see how that lands now mm-hmm. because that was a seminal tv series of my youth you know yeah. my teenage years so i wonder what and uh, younger generations will, will make of that and, and of such a sort of essentially northern story and uh you know, in the national. But it's great yeah. that it's coming
2: to the national. Yeah. yeah. And it's good. For I mean, exactly, those very reasons. Precise, yeah, exactly. And sort of stories from from not London. Yeah. It's it's important.
0: And James Graham's got a fairly good track record. Yes,
2: <laughs> we know. It's, it's right, a little bit it? of an unknown yeah. to, but. <laughs>
3: One casting uh, bit of casting news that caught my eye outside of London was uh, all slow horses fans prick your ears up here because Jack Loudon is returning to the stage. I think he won Olivier after Olivier for uh, Ghosts. I seem to remember at the Almeida, which yeah. was yeah, you and he know, did he was that.
2: That Shakespeare at uh, the Donmar, the name of which I've completely forgotten now, but it's the one with the nun. Um, <laughs> measure for and, measure, and, uh, yeah, Measure for Measure, and you remember it, they, did it, they did it, they did it like both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes, of, uh, that's right. A short version before the interval, and then another Gosh, short I version was was switching him. the yeah. Um, yeah. switching the genders of the two roles. Josie Rourke was the director. Mm. Um, and he was great. Yeah. He was great in that.
3: Well, he's a superb actor, isn't yeah, he? he really and and seeing him back on the stage. And so it is in Scotland, but it's part of the Edinburgh International Festival. It's going to be David Ireland's uh, new play, which is called The Fifth Step. Obviously, we reviewed David Ireland's um, one of his older plays, austro American*, quite yeah. recently. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it'll be intriguing see. That's clearly one of the highlights of the Edinburgh the Edinburgh. Well, maybe it'll Festival come down. Who
0: knows? You know, yeah. That'll be, be good. I think we should always refer to Measure for Measure as the one with the nun from now on. <laughs> on, <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's the one with the nun. Yeah. Should <laughs> put that on the posters. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs>
2: right. So time for our first review, shall we? Yes. We'll uh, this is Cruel Intentions, the 90s musical at The Other Palace. What are the terms?
1: If I win then that hot little vintage car of yours is mine.
4: And if I win?
1: I'll give you something you've been obsessing about ever since our parents got married.
4: Be more specific.
2: I haven't seen this one. Um, Nick and Nick, what do you reckon?
3: Well, had you seen the film?
2: Actually, no, I'm a bit embarrassed to admit that I haven't. Because it was a fairly
3: big film at the time. I I think it was 1999. I remember watching it and, you know, remember quite liking it. But I don't don't think
2: I've seen it. It's one of those ones where you're a bit like, I thought I had, but maybe I haven't. I can't remember, maybe. Well, it's partly
3: because
0: it's, a, it's an adaptation of Les Liaisons dangereux, so you might yeah. feel like you've seen <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. There have been Quite so possibly, many other yes, adaptations I've definitely of it. seen but that. But the film was an updating of that mm. to yeah. mm. sort of 90s Manhattan rich yeah. kids. Uh, so the, the the sort of power, sexual power games of aristocrats mm. are translated to these late teenagers in a private school Um yeah. An enormously sexually active private school yeah, in the, in the <laughs> yeah. late nineties in New York.
3: So yeah, it was starred uh, Reese Witherspoon, Ron Philippe and Sarah Michelle Gellar. So it was a, a, yeah, for the for the, the time, the nineties, that was yeah, that was an all star cast. Yeah, I've got to say I was slightly dreading this because <laughs> uh, I thought, well, here's another cynical screen to stage nostalgia play, forcing a few songs we've heard of, and yeah, then because uh, it's take, a jukebox musical, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, no original music, in it. it is it's a jukebox musical. Hits. And I thought. I, uh, with a slightly heavy heart, uh, went in. And I had my expectations rather, rather blown away. I actually really enjoyed this. Hmm. Jonathan O'Boy is a really good director. And so I immediately thought, okay, I think we're in safe hands here. And I think the direction is superb, actually. What he does, it canters along. He yeah. never lets the energy it, slow. Huh? Yeah, And what's really fun about it, it is a nostalgia piece. It is quite cynical, but it's done with its... Tongue firmly in its cheek. Yes, and or in
0: other in somebody else's cheek. <laughs> somebody else's <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it's brilliant because every time, I mean, this is aimed. At a forty-four-year-old person like myself, right. in that every song that comes up, you're like, "Oh, it's Torn by Natalie Imbruglia." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's Torn again. by <laughs> Natalie <Nuttley and Brumia. laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, there's the Cardigans, and yeah, I saw four. the sign by Ace of Base, which is an absolutely <laughs> brilliant moment. Magic. So you just go through, and every time, and you could hear the sort of gasps and laughs all around you. Mm. It's what I'd sort of call a like a classic Hindu musical, really. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's. It's it's a bit shocking. Oh God, don't say
2: that. It's going to be like it's going to be overrun in days. As someone who's <laughs>
3: never been to a Hindu, um, I,
0: must say <laughs> I really enjoyed it. The tone is perfectly pitched, yeah. sort of quite arch, quite right. There yeah. is so much smoking that I really. Was concerned that quite a lot of the actors' faces were actually going to slide off the yeah, side yeah, of their yeah. skulls. <laughs> as I say, it's, it's it's just really hits the nail absolutely right. I think for that sort of mix of nostalgia, but also, I you know, I can see younger audiences enjoying this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think I might have been the only straight man in the theatre on press mm-hmm. night, but who knows? You know, I think there's a, I think there's a massive gay following to the film as well. And yeah, I think there's, sure. You know, the, the,
3: well, there are gay subtexts to it, but actually, we've been talking about this because the film in. in, in being in in the light of 2024 versus uh, 1999 is actually much more problematic than probably any of us remember it being. Certainly that I remember it being with storylines of, you know... uh, the, the character spiking drinks and sort of a, a consensual sex, non-consensual but It's all always
2: that. been problematic though, is not it? I mean, the liaison dangereux is deeply problematic. Yeah. And some of
3: the edges have clearly been smooth. Yeah. Right. I mean, we've got to talk about the performances here. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's brilliantly sung, I think, across and, and it's hilarious seeing these so- songs in this context and well sung. And yeah. There's a couple of debutantes, um, Abby Budden and Rose Galbraith uh, as the two young, naive women, uh, both both very good. But it, this show is really about the, the, the step-siblings, isn't it? I mean, Daniel Bravo is—he exudes sinister, really sinister charm, like yes. creepy charm. He's very, he is very charismatic. You can see why he's got this power over women. It's
0: like the word "cockshaw"
3: was invented. him yeah, <laughs> really was it? So.
0: And <laughs> he does know how to rock a, a silk shirt. As well. Oh, Most yeah, absolutely. And
3: he, he, he,
2: not every man does. I'm not no,
3: it's true. He does have a look of Ryan Philippe about him as well. Hmm.
1: She's really getting to you, isn't she? If you must know, yes. I don't know what to do. I can't stand that holier than thou bullshit, and yet I'm completely infatuated with her. She made me laugh.
4: So that's why you're losing our bet? I'm not losing our bet, it's just taking a little longer than I expected.
3: But the real, the, the real MVP here... Yeah,
0: is Rihanna louise Mikulski, yeah. uh, who, um, you, if you look at her biography in the programme, it seems that she's mostly done sort of tours, some understudy work. I think she was voted best understudy in, in some sort of Off West End Awards or something like that. So clearly she's been bubbling under for a while, but here she comes volcanically erupting to the top. I mean, she's just wonderful, what what isn't she?
3: Yeah. I him. mean, she, oh, brilliant singer and huge charisma. Full She's of so, full of sass and swagger. Yeah. And also
0: she wonderfully sort of punctures lots of the scenes, doesn't she? There are these seduction scenes quite often mediated through these 90s hits, so... Uh, you have Sebastian, the Daniel Bravo character, and uh, Abby Button, the Annette character, singing Love Fool to one another, yeah. uh, you know, in sort of counterpoint. I
3: mean, sometimes these things work, sometimes they do not. Yes, like, it's there's right, these it's random yeah. things, like in, like Breakfast at Tiffany's, but you're so like, oh, I just want to listen to Breakfast at Tiffany's, <laughs> 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 so you don't mind. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: I have to. Send a massive shout out to Nathan Lorraine Danine. So he, he went out. It turns out I didn't know this until afterwards. He went on last night with only one afternoon's practice, and I had no oh, idea wow. an understudy was on. They didn't, they might mention it, but I didn't hear it. Which role was he in? So Are he you? was in the role of, of Blaine, the gay character who yeah. sort of sets up yes. this jock character, honey for, traps him. Honey traps, that's exactly yeah. the word I was looking for. I, was so amazed, so oh, I've got to say, yeah. big shout out to Nathan and and I suppose to understudies all over theatre land. I, was say, I mean, it's so that... great,
2: isn't it, when you see that happen and they have the yeah. opportunity to, yeah. in these sort of things, but like enough roles that that can happen and they get that moment. And there's lovely
0: little touches in lots of the scenes here. So at, at some moments, sort of choruses of of jocks or sweater girls sort of lean out from behind pillars mm-hmm. to, to do sort of do-what backing vocals and things yeah. like that. Uh, it's really arch and great fun and sort of shameless. As yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: This was Bill Kenwright's last That's show, right. wasn't it? So yeah. was Bill Kenwright who died um, at the end of last year. I yes, was, he did, yes, um, yes. But he had uh, this the big, in train. The big shot producer. Yeah. Yeah, but this was on its way.
0: I wonder if this will sort of finally be what the other palace turns out to be for. I think Ken Wright took out a lease on it at one point, or you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber owned it for a while. I'm not it's the sure. The one who... in St. James. Isn't it? it is yeah, the yeah, one yeah, in St. James. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. But this is in here for quite a long run. A lot of things have been fairly short runs there, and I, I imagine this will sell out and may well extend. Hmm. I
2: think I might go. Check it out. I will. Yeah. Let's go to the ads. In part two, hear my chat with Charlie Josephine for their play Cowboys at the Royal Court.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Anais Mitchell, and you're listening to The Standard Theater Podcast.
2: Welcome back to the pod. Last week, I spoke to playwright Charlie Josephine for their play Cowboys at the Royal Court. This is a behind-the-scenes special cut, if you like, taken from my interview, which you can read online at standard.co.uk. How would you describe
4: it? How would you describe Cowboys? Well, it's a it's a big queer Western. It's camp and it's fun. It's, like, full of everything you'd expect from a Western. There's, you know, gunfights and whiskey and leather and lace and all of that stuff. It's got some, maybe a surprising protagonist. It's got a trans-masculine cowboy and it's got a kind of, like, some queer awakening for some characters. Everyone goes on a transformation or a defrosting. So that should feel fresh and new and exciting. But the sort of, like, bones of the play is like a classic Western, really. And
2: why Western? Like
4: what, what made you want to do that? Well, the RSC asked me... To if I wanted to write a play for the swan and I knew instantly that I wanted to write about masculinity really and particularly masculinity in bodies that are not assigned male at birth mm-hmm. and I was obsessed with uh, Tennessee Williams's Orpheus Descending for reasons that I can't really explain and then also just um, had a gut instinct that cowboys would be a really great frame for it obviously the architecture of that particular theatre like it's wood doing, it's really intimate it's almost in the round like it's such a deep thrust there that i just was like oh that would be really fun the more it's i thought like about a saloon. it yes Sorry. yeah yeah and the way that the set design and grace made it is like really embracing the there's not a lot of set basically it's really embracing like the natural architecture of that fit and, and making you feel like very aware that you're in a theatre, but also makes you feel like you're in a naturalistic saloon.
2: I read somewhere that you were very into Cowboys when you were a kid.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, Well, I was like this little queer, trans, non-binary kid, like before we had that language. And so probably was looking for any kind of representation on TV or anything that felt close to me. And Cowboys just seemed really cool. And then obviously watching for research while writing the play, watching all of the Westerns, I was like, oh God, they're really misogynistic and yeah. racist and violent. And I was like, oh, I don't want to make that. Um, so I was like trying to find a way of subverting that. And then the more research I did, particularly reading like queer historians and trans historians, I was like, oh, the version of Hollywood that we know is different to the, the reality of what it was like to be a cowboy. It was a really working-class job. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more, like, racial diversity, gender diversity than we are expecting, so... Yeah,
2: there's a bit in the play that I really... It was actually in the stage directions. I think it's about maybe Lou and Jane towards to the end. They stand together, gun-smoking, looking fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. That sort of acknowledgement that even though a lot of what we see of cowboys is quite toxic mm. like we still kind of there's a sort of romance or something about. yeah
4: yeah you know the the rhetoric around trans stories and particularly in this country at the moment is um is really violent against trans people and also that like, really based in trauma and in pain and in struggle and so i really wanted to put i just wanted to remind people that trans people are hot. And like queer love stories are joyful. I really wanted to put a bunch of actors on stage who are queer and trans and give them an opportunity to play the part that they've always wanted to play and like make the work that I wanted to see growing up and just like inject it with joy. Um, And to yeah, give them an opportunity to like swagger and like dance and feel really in their body and like really confident. And maybe the ripple effect of that could be like quite beautiful in the world. Do you know what I mean?
2: Is it important to you that the actor the actor's lived experience reflects something of the character's lived experience? I know in the in Cowboys there's a bit at the beginning that says, <laughs> Yeah, if the character is queer, the actor should be queer, et cetera, et cetera.
4: Yeah, definitely in terms of queerness and transness at the moment and class as well. Because while I've got the opportunity to, why not? <laughs> That's not to say that an actor, you know, there are loads of beautiful films that I love where there's a straight actor playing a queer part and and I go, yeah, that was a beautiful performance. But when there are lots of queer actors and trans actors who are not getting seen for parts, I have to put my foot down. And a great thing about this was that RSC were open to doing more auditions than they really should have done so that the casting department saw loads of non-binary actors and loads of trans actors, which was great. So that feels like an offer that I can do for the community is, like, be really clear when I'm making queer work in straight venues, Mm. like, what can I do to invite invite as many in as possible? You know, you're able to offer that fantastic thing because
2: you're you're working in the subsidised space.
4: Yeah, I think... I think you've actually got more power as an artist than you think you do. When you're brave and you say to the RSC, like, you need to change your toilets, they will change their toilets. Like, did you? Is
2: that what you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you, what, how? What was the before and after?
4: Just, there was a few things, like, in the building that just needed updating um, that hadn't been thought about or hadn't been asked for. Um, in terms of like really basic things like dressing rooms and language that we use ladies and gentlemen Mm. the show's about to start you know things like that just really simple changes that allow for a more inclusive experience for the audience otherwise (laughs) otherwise you're putting on a a queer play but then everything feels like the hetero ghetto (laughs) it's like not not really a fun experience for people is it exhausting having to having to come up with that stuff Uh, Yeah, I found it tiring for iJone because it was the first time I'd done it and it's a lot of like unpaid emotional labour really but I learnt from that experience and was better at delegating this time. Um, I've written on my website a page about making queer work in straight venues that's public and anyone can read it and like I just wanted to offer a resource and so that I can, whenever I get asked a question I can be like, read this. And then like... Collaborating with Gendered Intelligence, who are amazing and all about trans, they're two companies that are really fantastic. But yeah, just delegating is the way to do it, and to just say to people, "That's a brilliant question. I'm a, I'm I'm emotionally a bit tired today, so like let me get back to you." Mm. I didn't know that that was an option. Like as a human, do you know what I mean? Most of it's like well intentioned. It's just like maybe a bit clumsy sometimes. Yeah. But you just got to like laugh about it, really. The,
2: up to this point, your writing is centered on queer and trans experience, do you feel any pull or yearning for the freedom that a cis writer has got to write about just fucking anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep joking. they well, <laughs> incidental, whether the characters are queer yeah, yeah, or yeah, trans yeah, yeah. or straight or whatever?
4: Yeah, definitely. I keep joking that I'm never going to write about gender ever again. <laughs> like, but yeah, I think, I think the next move, really, the way that we're... I think the next sort of phase of development for everybody yeah. is to not need to name it but like I guess the next phase of all of our developments is like that it's just normal yeah. for there to be a queer couple in the tv show that we're watching and no one really mentions the fact that they're queer but they just happen to be that that's not the most interesting thing about that character or that's not the only thing like ultimately trans people are just people and have got like rich nuanced, exciting lives just like everyone else and boring bits and ugly bits and all of that stuff so yeah definitely the next stuff i write will probably uh, i'm always going to want to flood stage and screen with with women and queer people and trans people but maybe they won't talk about gender (laughs) we'll
2: see Cowboys is at the Royal Court until the 10th of February, and you can find our review of it in the show notes.
0: Let's go to the ads. In part three, we'll be reviewing Six, the musical.
1: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: Hi, I'm Matthew Modine, and you're listening to the Evening Standard Theatre Podcast. Welcome back to the pod. Time for our second review, six at the Vaudeville Theatre.
0: Well, sixth musical has been um, has been the runaway hit really of the last six years. It's it's celebrating its sixth anniversary. It's had countless casts which have fed through into other shows in the West End, and we've got a new show coming up from the creators. So, in light of that, Nancy and Nick, you went to see it again. Does it stand up?
2: It really does, actually. It was your first time, wasn't it? Was it was my it? first time. Yeah. Yeah, and it was my second. But it was also the first time for my companion, the twelve-year-old Vivian, um, who is my goddaughter, and who this was
3: fine-tuned directly to (laughs) for her, right? (laughs) She
2: already actually knew all of the songs off by heart, as many many sort of preteens do, apparently. Well, wasn't Um,
3: this the brilliant thing they did? Certainly uh, ahead of their Broadway and possibly. Before hitting Broadway in America, they made sure that the album got out there, yeah. so there was a huge love of the music, and everyone knew all you know everyone yeah, knew and off everyone by heart so everyone it. flocked to the theater and it is running on Broadway and West End at the same time I know yeah. it's
2: amazing, and I think there's a tour as well I think, um I think you're it's right. really I mean it's just this yeah. is the most amazing. I mean, it's the most amazing story, you know, coming yeah. from Edinburgh and becoming this this global It's smash. one of those little
0: shows that could, like the play yeah. that goes wrong, isn't yeah. it? It's a mincemeat to a certain extent as well. Yeah. It's one of these things that come from tiny beginnings at the Edinburgh Festival and just go ballistic.
2: Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it is it's so deeply fun. Yes. Um, but it's also, I mean, you know, it's funny because the first time I saw it, I was just completely blown away. It's an extremely basic format, yeah. actually. You realise, you know, you can see the, the roots of this... Very small show, mm. which is now like a great big and how it would work in Edinburgh. Yeah, and how it would absolutely work in Edinburgh. You know, six queens. Let's have a competition to yeah. see who was treated worst by yeah. Henry VIII. You know, it's quite a competition. Sort of a sing-off, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. All in different exactly. styles. I suppose and... you'd call it gig theatre, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. In a way, it sort of doesn't matter the book itself. You know, the the talking, the 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 structure. It is, as I said, it's a bit basic, but it doesn't matter because it is all about the songs, and mm. the songs yeah. are just knockout.
3: Well, it's true. I mean, they talk very early on about how history is going to get overthrown, and how, you know, fans of Hilary Mantel will not recognise the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the queens
2: that they know and
3: Although love. Although there,
2: there is an essay from Lucy Worsley in the. In the, in the uh, Indeed. Program. Indeed. So, you know, it's, it's got its um, sort of. Uh, Intellectual approval, yes, yes.
1: exactly.
3: It's just 80 minutes of it's this sort of pop concert playing off all the, the, the stereotypes and dispelling or trying to dispel the myths mm. um, around the, the Six Wives of Henry VIII, sort of turning them into girl bosses through the medium of sugary pop, really, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yes. and, and German techno and ballads and other yeah, things. Yeah, I love though. the fact
2: that there is a song in it which actually is nobody's song, but is entirely there to sort of put a German techno joke in. <laughs> it's like, really, I was like, oh, Okay, cool. Fine. All Why musicals not.
0: could be a movie. This is what Frozen was lacking. I don't think
3: Hans Holbein fans will have thought that <laughs> this is how he would be memorialised <laughs> in the West End, I've got to say. Uh, but it's just a sugar rush of joy, isn't it, it really? Is. I mean, as a man in my 40s, it possibly isn't directly aimed at me, but it is impossible not to be swept away by the sheer Completely. excitement of it all and enjoyment of it all. It's
2: absolutely true. Um,
3: and the shows that last, it uh, seems to me, it's not just they've got an idea here, they have got an appealing idea, mm. but it's very funny. They mm. The writing is excellent. And the songs are really good. Yeah, the songs and the lyrics are really good. And also, I didn't
2: realise, you know, I was reading in the programme, I hadn't really appreciated that each one of the Queen's songs, because they each have one, they do this, as you said, they do this sing-off to try and kind of ascertain who had the worst time. Um, And each one of them is inspired by what they call the queenspiration by two (laughs) particular pop artists. So the Anne Boleyn number is... Inspired by Lily Allen and Avril Lavigne, Catherine of Aragon's number, which is the first one, is inspired by Beyonce and Shakira. There's one uh, Anne of Cleves, Nicki Minaj, and Rihanna, which is my, I think my, my probably my favourite, but mainly because well, she has Anne such, a, she actually has such a great time. It's, I'm the Queen of the
3: Castle. I, that song is just great. It's so <laughs> it's,
2: so good. It's so
3: so good. And because they've got their own styles and because they tell their own stories, they become really distinctive. I've got to say, I now know in order who the, all of the wives are, which I right. never did before. Ah, yeah. exactly. It's only taken me this long. Fantastic. But um, anyone, if they've got kids studying Tudors for GCSE, <laughs> take them along to this, because you will remember. And they're quite
0: they're quite nicely sort of um, differentiated physically as well, aren't they? Yes. I seem to remember they've all got costumes that look like yeah. they could come from 1980s Doctor Who. Yes, <laughs> they're, they're,
2: yes they
1: do. <laughs> yeah.
0: I quite like that sort of futuristic retro history mashup of it as well, that they're, they're wearing sort of vinyl and shiny stuff. And, yeah, know, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, club gear, I suppose. Because uh, there were, there were
2: the, the, the one that we went to the night that we went to was the sort of sixth birthday gala Mm. um there were a number of fabulous drag queens in attendance and one of them was wearing what must have been a homemade because you can't buy them Um, version of Anne Boleyn's dress.
3: There is a serious message. I mean, it it's it isn't dwelt upon very long, but about, you know, people regaining their story yeah, and no, giving who agency. who gets to tell women's stories exactly? And, that kind of thing, and you know? why we still fetishise this story in particular. Yeah. You know, and as they say, who's Henry VII's wife? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> You know, and no yeah. one can tell you. Yeah, well, absolutely well, you know. I'm sure writing and I'm sure all of our erudite <laughs> listeners yeah, they're are screaming. screaming saying, like, what uh, do you mean they're... who's Henry <laughs> the wife? And we've got to say, each of the six queens, the performers... Are Fantastic. superb. I mean, my personal favourite was, uh, was was Anne Boleyn, Tao Therese and Guyan. Yeah. And I mean, Anne Boleyn is an absolute hoot. I She's mean, so funny. You know, telling her story, absolutely through, filthy, absolutely filthy. I don't
2: remember of, it being that filthy <laughs> through the medium <laughs> sort of sort of text speak and emojis
3: <laughs> and things like this. And it's absolutely hilarious and. Unforgettable. She's always sort of butting in in everyone else's songs and saying, "Yeah, but I had my head cut off." Yeah, which yeah. is which is a fair point. <laughs> fair point. <laughs> it is a fair point.
2: Uh, I think my favourite song is the Anne of Cleves song, but and it's um, Rika Oakley who plays Anne of Cleves this time, and it's just absolutely She's wonderful, so amazing. Yeah. Um, but Catherine Howard's song, I find the most kind of affecting. Obviously, you know yeah. the the Jane Seymour song is all about basically kind oh. of like. Dying before your son, and it's, up, a which is it's a great Adele sad. It's uh, a really yes, really so, real, I believe that real, really is. I believe that, that is um, Adele and somebody else. I forget who. Um, hang on a minute. Let me check. Yes. Adele and Sia, Yes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. 100. <laughs> um, and that's obviously you know very very sweet and sad. But the Catherine Howard song, the way that it is um, performed. Is brilliant because mm-hmm. it completely lulls you into thinking that this is, you know, that they've gone with the kind of naughty minx thing, and then over the course of the song, you become more and more unco- it becomes more and more uncomfortable and more and more unpleasant, and yeah. she becomes more and more upset because she starts out her sexual career age thirteen, you know, without consent. It's yes. like a really, really, yeah. you know, and with no no education mm-hmm. in how to deal with all. It's just it. It's a really it's a really clever song, it and it's really um, uh, disturbing, mm. I think, and it's very, very good. And I thought that Ina's Bud, who plays Catherine Howard, was was brilliant because she had that kind of kind of manic energy, yeah. this great big long pink ponytail, mm. and like you know a little kind of cute tiny little dress, but by the end of it you're just like oh my god somebody give somebody give that child a hug mm. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just it's awful so you know and it does have this this undercurrent of like can I just remind you this was a terrible time yeah. for women I, I
0: went to see it when it uh, for the second time when it reopened it was one of the first West End musicals to reopen during the pandemic when they reopened it with social distancing and it was a blast there yeah. and you could feel the, the joy yeah. from the audience then of people being back at the theatre seeing something
3: so much fun mm. and it's it, great this historical story and it's so imbued with current the cat themes and technology you know at yeah. the end you you are asked to get your phone out and <laughs> you know film at the end and, and get the yeah they uh,
0: really smartly did that didn't really? they in the marketing of the show yeah. they, I yeah, mean that's yeah, exactly. one of the things it has really built on social media the audience well, that, Yeah
2: exactly because they know exactly who their audience is which yeah. is you know people young people who look at social media all the yes. time mm. Yeah yeah um, but yeah I think it's, it's uh, as you say Nick it's basically impossible not to not to enjoy it yeah. I think
3: It's a right royal night owl Six more glorious years <laughs> Absolutely <laughs>
0: Elizabeth of York was Henry VII's wife.
2: Was I'm, she? The elder sister of you the princes Googled
1: in the town.
0: <laughs> I've just Googled that, yeah. So we're looking
3: forward to the musical about her. Yeah, we? Can't yeah. Wait. Seven, the musical. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, can't wait.
0: <laughs> this is currently booking until April
3: 2024. Right, that's this week's episode of the Standard Theatre Podcast. Please do hit follow, leave a comment, tell your friends and feel free to drop us a line at theatrepod.com at standard.co.uk.
2: Don't forget to give our previous shows a listen. They include interviews with Anais Mitchell, Jared Harris, Sir Ian McKellen, Tuppence Middleton, many more.
3: And thanks to our
0: producer, Rachel Abbott. We'll see you back here next Sunday.